Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. I got to tell you something, people. This week, I've been battling COVID, but luckily, I've done the, this is my fourth interview this week, so it's kept my mind off COVID, and my wife, Joanne, got it, and we have a one-bedroom condo, so I've been sleeping on the couch, so I've been, I've been ornery, but when I talk to talented individuals, it makes me happy, and that's my guest today. He's one of those actors. He's one of those actors that when, when you see him, you know it's going to be a good scene. I mean, there's some actors you see and you go, eh, but this guy, he always does well. And he's actually, he's just working on a Hallmark movie. And he was, he, he played a jerk in WeWork. Well, sort of, a, I mean, it was, you were sort of a jerk, a, a scumbag. I think but, a sympathetic jerk. <laughs> and my guest is Peter Jacobson. How you doing, Peter? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. I gotta well, how are you? I'm sorry you're doing, you know, you're, you've been having a hard week. I'm sorry. I, is this the closet you're in? The, the this, is what I re- this is where I record, I record my show in. Okay. Uh, it, it's funny. I went, to, I went to the Blondie concert on Saturday, and I got home Sunday, Ooh. and, uh, and I, I was lucky. One of my guests was, was in the Sex Pistols, Glenn Matlock, and he's playing bass, so he comped me these great seats. So I'm great. I go with my buddy. I get home Sunday. I wake up, and I knew I had it. And I don't know because I've been some vaxxed and all that stuff. And I sat there. I said, I'm going to start self-quarantining. Tuesday, I test again. I'm positive. My wife is negative. Tuesday night, she gets it. So it happens. That's the life we got right now, right? How, how has it affected you on set? Because actors, it's changed the whole dynamic. Yeah, um, it was very, sh- well, first it, it affected, um, <laughs> everything went away. I mean, you know, I guess it's now been a couple of years at least, and uh, that was a big change, was that there was nothing. I mean, I had, was lined up to do a play um, in New York and uh, that I had done in L.A., and then I was also supposed to do a few episodes of Fear the Walking Dead, and uh, everything had just shut down. It was like suddenly, you know, the work that you were hoping for and relying on was just gone. And that was true in most businesses. Um, but then as we ramped back up, um, it was amazing just how rigorous and strict uh, the SAG rules were on being on set. You know, different sections where you're allowed to be, not be, everybody's masked. Um, they ch- changed some of the writing, too. Um, it was, I was doing a scene for Fear the Walking Dead, and... And I was in one scene, and then the next scene, it made all, I, I, I should have been in the next scene. It made all the sense because my character wouldn't have just disappeared. He was supposed to be there. And I, I mean, I, wouldn't, I wasn't upset. I was like, okay, maybe somebody made a mistake. So I said to the director, I'm not kind of supposed to be here. It makes sense. And she was like, well, you are, but you're, we're not allowed to have more than a certain number of actors anymore in place. So you're out. And I was like, well, okay. I mean, I understand the health health trumps art so it made no sense that i was not in the scene but uh and now interestingly so so it's been a couple of years of very you know one of the beautiful great things i love about what i do is just the camaraderie and the you know so many interesting creative people and it's new people all the time and i just love the chit chat um the kibitzing that goes on in my work and uh and you're not allowed to you, you've not been allowed to do that for a couple of years. It's everybody's masked and separate and it really is a very different energy. You don't recognize people. It's hard to know what people really look like and you're working with them and uh, and then suddenly you'll see them with a mask now and you're like, Oh, that's the camera operator, but I didn't know that. Um, this thing I'm working on now, uh, we're shooting in Utah and um, it uh, seems to be that there's a little bit less masking going on, which is suddenly I was like, oh, wow, people again. And that's nice. I think it, it'll go up and down as we sort of work our way out of this. Uh, eventually, hopefully, light at the end of the tunnel, we'll all be 
unmasked and uh, chit-chatting again. It hurts crafty. It hurts crafty because, you know, I've been on sets before it where you just really go hurts and you would take a bunch of those nature bars, those, those nature oh, bars, and put them in your bag. Now I heard you have to actually go up and say, uh, yeah, can I have one of them? And you just can't taste yeah. them. It's like, it's like being at like a little deli now. They're like, there's somebody there and, you know, everybody's got their hazmat suits and all the food. They, yeah, like a, I'd like a Rolo. And a, um, although, again, loosening up. People, you know, again, we're not so worried about the touch as we were right away. I mean, the first time I went back to set, when I mean, you know, you don't, you don't, nobody. There were a, a huge room. Normally, people would be sitting together eating lunch, and everybody was sitting individually at these tables about six feet apart. And I was like, "Wow, this is so sad." Um, yeah, the food is not as accessible. It's not as good. These are the things that matter. But you, uh, you were right to notice it. <laughs> now you've been working for a long time. Are you at the point in your career, and I hear, I hear so many actors are in so many different points of their careers, and they've been working for a long time, they still have to audition. Do you still, mm -hmm. now, now for you, when you audition, have, do you like the room or the self-tape? Well, I don't have any choice now. Uh, this is a big conversation among actors now is, uh, you know, we're all forced to self-tape. Now, the, the good part about that is, well, to answer your question, yes, I do still audition sometimes, although it goes back and forth. I mean, I, I am not in a place where I'm like, I won't audition. Depends on the project. Uh, I'll audition for anything that I love if they want me to audition. That's what we do as actors. You know, it's part of, you know, sh you know, you want to show them, that you you know, what you got. It's great if you just get an offer. And, and that sort of happens. I would say half the time I get offers and the other half of the time I'm auditioning. Um the advantage to the self-tape is that you have all the time in the world to be as neurotic as you want and perfectionist as you want, and you get the piece that you want. You get that tape, and it's, you know, I can take all the time I need. I'm not nervous about, am I getting it right? i got to nail it now. I really create a piece. But you send it out into the stratosphere now that is just swamped. Everybody's got a self-tape, and there's just not that same sense of confidence that my tape is going to get looked at. You know, there's also what you lose is that really the energy in the room that I love and, and grew up in this business, I think benefiting from is, you know, you're meeting a director, you're meeting a casting director or producer, and it's more than just the part. They're seeing whether or not you're a person they want to spend time with for the next few months. And, you know, you get to know somebody's sense of humor and who they are outside the part. And I think that's invaluable energy and information you know and it has been always helpful for me i think in getting cast and that's been a struggle and that i you know i don't get that opportunity now and i don't know that we're going to go back to it there's a you know the overhead uh for casting directors you know and the amount of work bringing actors in it's pretty steep but it's unfair i think for the actors now we have to pay for our own lighting pay for our camera equipment you know use your phones but but if you want to have really good you know, good, you know, production value, you've got to pay for, for that, uh, for, for that equipment. And, uh, um, it's, it's a real struggle. Um, and I'm curious to see what, how we, how we, uh, you know, sort of flow out of this. Well, you know, I know you've done stage, so I would think that would really help you in the room compared to someone who did oh, yeah. because uh, it's the, it's yeah. the, and you know, so saying that when you self tape, you know, you can say this, do you sometimes get into your own head too much because when you're doing stage, you got to deliver it right there. But when you can go back and go back and you go, oh, shit, that doesn't look right. Have you been doing that at all? Oh, God, I'm the worst. I, I'll do 75 takes if I don't <laughs> think it's right. Now, when you're on a set and you're actually moving, you know, that's the fun part of 
I've, I've gr- grown to appreciate that having come from the theater that you get to redo in the moment. Um, the downside is that you get it ultimately when you do it, you don't get the ch- chance to do it again. But when you're, you know, when you're filming something and you make a mistake, you get a shot at it again. But I also think it's important to not be too precious about your work when you've got a crew of 200 people who are there trying to get to the end of the day and there's money involved. you got to, you know, I can't stop and go, no, let me have that little moment again. Sometimes it's important to say, wait a minute, I can do that better. Um, when I'm just me and my audition, I'll, I'll, I'll read, a, a, you know, I'll read all day just to get it right because I can't. And I'm picky. How'd you get into acting? Were you? Did you want to be an actor as a young kid? I know. I know you went to Brown. You went to Juilliard. But you're a guy um, from Chicago. Where, where did you start? I started just doing plays in school, um, I, and just always loved it. And I thought I, you know, people would say, "Oh, you're really good. You have a great energy," but you know. And so that <laughs> kind of built on itself. And then by the time I was in high school, I was definitely part of the theater scene, although I love, you know, I was playing soccer too. And, you know, it wasn't, you know, when I was a teenager, I wasn't like, I'm going to do this, but it was definitely a big part of my life. Um, my father was a, a TV anchorman in Chicago and uh, I used to love going with him to the newsroom. And that was in ways, you know, it really is a live performance. And I would sit with him while he would get made up, you know, to make up every night. And I watched his sort of ability to, to sort of, you know, think on his feet in front of cameras and all the lights. And so it's not acting, um, but there is a, a drama element to it that was really appealing to me. Um, and I remember just loving being there around the lights. Now, I didn't get into film and TV until well after I'd started in the theater, but I think somewhere as a kid, that sort of, that kind of juiced me a bit. But mostly it was just uh, high school plays and loving it. And, and then I went to college and just kept going and doing more and more and, and I had success at it. I mean, I felt like I, you know, was able to get good parts and good shows. And, and the bottom line is I just loved it. And then auditioned for Juilliard after uh, college and uh, got in. So, you know, I wasn't going to turn that down. Four years of training in New York. How hard were the auditions for Juilliard? Were they, a, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's one of those things you hear Juilliard. I mean, and that's one of those things. It's like if you're a musician, you hear Berkeley. You know, right. in, but for, when you hear when you whenever you read Juilliard, you go, "This person has chops." I mean, it's just a given. But what well, was it like the audition process? Well, it's um, you know, uh, it's a it's a stressful building. I mean, I get I audition in New York. You, they they audition around the country, so people don't have to fly in. You know, they go to Chicago and L.A. and but I think the most intense ones were in New York. And this is a while ago, but uh, you know, it's, a, it's a, it, it was. It's a it's sort of a scary building, you know. It's not a lot of windows, and the wall, the hallways are kind of dark. And you show up, and you're in a studio with about fifty other, you know, crazy want, you know, want to be actors. We're all, you know, we're all auditioning for Juilliard. So there's a tension that is really high. Um, I remember being really, you know, stressed at first, but then for some reason, when I walked into my little section, I just had this moment. I walked in the door, and I was like, "This feels right. I'm relaxed." I kind of tuned out the stress and and uh, I hit it right out of the gate. And then they have callbacks later in the day. Um, and I was the only one that got called back for the, for, for the afternoon session. So I'd done something right. And then you do it in the big theater, the drama theater. And then the whole faculty is there. And that is really, really intimidating and scary. And uh, they asked me to sing a song, which I wasn't necessarily ready for. Um, <laughs> It was just one of those weird days. It was like I was not, you know, there's a lot of time in my career when you walk in a room and, and the stress 
and anxiety wins and the nerves went out. This was one, maybe I was just young and stupid, but uh, I was just like, I want this. And I was just flowing and something uh, that anxiety just was, was, was gone. I wish I could just grab that now whenever I wanted. Give me, a, I want to talk more about Juilliard, but give me an example of when you went into a room and you were stressed and anxiety ridden. I mean, so a, a one that you really remember or that you look uh, back and go, I, I screwed up, you know. I went, I did this movie, 61, a uh, baseball movie, Billy Crystal directed, uh, a wonderful movie for HBO. Um, and uh, <clears throat> I was just like, I'm right for this part. It's, it's a, you know, a, a a reporter, obnoxious guy in the 60s. I just knew I was right for this role. And I walk in, and I'm a huge fan of Billy Crystal's, and I was just so nervous. Oh, I think I had done a tape before, and he had liked the tape, so I knew he thought I was in the, you know, I was there because I was one of the few people who he was considering. And I was, and I, but I was meeting, and he's very engaging and very funny, and um, I just couldn't shake the nerves. I was like, it's Billy Crystal, and I'm. I want this, and I think he wants me, and you get that in your head, and then you're not able to really do what you're there to do, which is to let go and be the character. I couldn't let go. I was like, that's Billy Crystal, and he, you know, he he's here, and and he. Ca- I could tell that he was he wasn't frustrated, but he. I wasn't doing what I think he wanted me to do, so he kept saying, no, 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 go again, go again, go again. Yeah, I know you can get it. And he was just adorable and sweet, but everything in my head was, you're blowing it, you're blowing it. And I walked out of the room just miserable. I was like, ah, and I got it. So who knows? <laughs> now, when you get out of Juilliard, did, did Juilliard prepare you to start getting into the acting world? Because I heard sometimes they really don't, they prepare you how to act, but they don't give you the business acumen that you need. Absolutely zero. <laughs> I think they've changed. I mean, I went, you know, I got out a while ago. I think they've... Uh, over the the decade, the ensuing decades, they've wisened up and realized that look, we're training people to be actors. We better train them, give them some help in how to get the damn job because that's the hardest part. Um, no, we had, you know it was a very intense theater training. Um, wasn't even so much I didn't get training and auditioning in the business side. They, you got no camera training. So you know I was my first job, my first real job, paying job was uh, the Shakespeare in the Park, which is you know. A comedy of errors it's 2,000 people a night you know I can barely you know keep my voice alive for the you know the run and it's it's broad and that's what you learned you know I mean you learned how to play and and I couldn't get I would go in for commercials and tv shows and I think I just you know I was out here because I was my theater training had me you know all out here and nobody ever told me you know you're gonna have to bring it down about 99 percent for the camera um, and I had to learn that myself. Um, and certainly there were no, you know, there was no real focus on, you know, how do you build a career? How do you build a, you know, how do you make money? How, how, you know, how do you present yourself? They, they were, it was just all about the acting. So, uh, yeah, I teach myself. But at the same time, I taught, I learned how to direct myself, which was great because I've had some great directors and I've had some directors that shouldn't be directors. And at the bottom line is that, Oftentimes, you just don't get the attention that you do in the theater because uh, there's just too much else to worry about. And uh, so I know how to ask the right questions about my character and to initiate those conversations with my fellow actors. And I learned that at school. Now, I, I ask actors a lot who have stage background, and they always seem to have a similar story 
When you first got on a set with the camera, a lot of times they weren't sure how to react to that, per like you said earlier, but then you're, you have a camera, so you don't really know you're used to playing. What was your first gig that you remember and you went, holy crap, I, 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 I know I have the talent because they cast me, but I, I'm not sure what I'm doing. Yeah, I, interestingly, I think 61 was the same uh, problem, um, <laughs> the same the same event of sort of, you know, anxiety. And, and I guess I was pretty, I was, it was early in my TV and film learning. Um, and this actor who uh, was my partner in the movie, my journalist, you know, reporter partner was Richard Mazur, who's a wonderful character actor. And uh, he'd been around the band and he kind of took me under his arm and was like, um, you know, you're going to want to make sure that you, you know, look this way when the camera's here and uh, make sure that when the coverage is on you, you know, that you're, that you're more focused and, you know, you should be focused all the time. But um, there were certain tricks that he taught me that I realized that without him, I would have maybe not wound up in the film as much as I, as I did. Um, but the anxiety of how to, you know, how to do it in front of a camera is you just have to learn that over time and probably being on house was because that, that was a five-year gig and every day, you know, jobs come, they're so few and far between. But when you get lucky enough to be on something every day for, for years, like anything, you just learn it, gets in your body and, uh, you know, you're just doing it all the time. So there were tricks that I began to learn. I just mostly learned how to relax and, and make the camera my friend as opposed to uh, that terrifying lens that, you know, could ruin me. Now, earlier in your career, when you're, you're getting starting to get parts and different parts, were you doing any commercials too, or what were you? What were you? Oh yeah, I started out doing. There was before I started getting part, real parts on TV shows. I had about a five year span when um, probably about a few years after I got out of Juilliard. So somewhere in the mid '90s, I kind of hit a commercial wave when suddenly I was doing like three or four commercials a year and um that was back in the day when commercials paid well and you know at one point i was doing you know i remember 9x that was before the big breakup 9x was the old telecommunications company in new york i guess i don't know um and i had a fedex commercial at the same time and i remember walking down the street and some guy came up to me and he goes you're the 9x guy and then somebody else came back was walking by and goes no that's the fedex guy so and I did like McDonald's and Arby's and uh, I did, I worked with some really great commercial directors. There was some, you know, really fun ones. I did a diet Pepsi commercial or a Pepsi ad with this great, uh, this great famous commercial director who was big, scary guy. It was a wonderful commercial. They, they aired it during the, the, uh, the Oscars and, uh, and you know, commercials could be fun. You know, some of them, a lot of physical comedy. Well, how do you stay focused on your acting? Because I mean, cause like you said, commercials were pretty lucrative back then. So when yeah. it's, it's there, you know, there's a difference of being a starving actor than a actor who's says he's starving, but he has three or four <laughs> nationals. So he's, you know, he's doing okay. How do sure. you keep her? And you, you start making some money and then you think, well, first you think it's going to go on forever. You know, Oh, this man, this is just going to keep going because yeah. we're young and we're stupid. Yep. But then you sit there and you probably, I mean, did you sit there and go, you know, did it take, or did it, did it make you work as hard because you had a cushion? Um, I've never had trouble working hard or being focused on getting the next job, you know, sort of sitting back and relaxing is not something that I 
know how to do. I don't think that's necessarily because such a great work ethic. It, it's it's either good, it's probably half worth that work ethic and half just total stress machine. And no matter what, I'm going to be an anxious mess. So there are two ways of looking at it. Um, but yeah, I don't think that I ever, even when I was, that was probably the first time I started making good money. Because when you had, a, if you had like, I had a sprint commercial that like I was in like five or six spots and those things just pay residuals and pay residuals. And that was the first time I started making money that I could really, that I could be able to maybe relax a bit. Um, but it never occurred to me. I, I just have always been, you know, what's next, what's next. I do have a sense that it, it won't last. It doesn't last. Um, maybe that's just part of my, you know, Jewish upbringing that <laughs> neurotic and oh no what's what's around the corner that's that's gonna ruin everything um i don't know it's uh, it's just who i am i've never been somebody who could sit back and say yeah i'm good well as you're working through the tv early on you know as you said it's gig to gig were you someone who was lucky during pilot season or one you won someone who was unlucky during pilot season are you asking was i somebody who was unlucky um lucky or unlucky was, were you out getting pilots um, or what happened? well this back in the day, whatever that means now, um, you know, 90s, 2000s, I would go out to LA for, you know, January, February, March, which was the pilot season. There was no, I mean, there was hardly cable, much less what, I mean, now there's no pilot season. It's just, it's just endless TV auditions. It really, I mean, the network still does it their way, but, uh, but there's just so much more. But back then it was three months that would, you know, you would audition for all the network, for whatever network pilots, you, you know, that you can get out for. And then you'd shoot a pilot and then hope it got picked up. Um, in those days, I'd say after about a, one or two seasons, I started to get some momentum. And I would say there was about three or four or five years in a row where I shot a pilot. I don't think any of them went. Maybe one went. Um but I had some years where I, I, I was lucky in, in pilot getting and I part of it was that I think I, I always remember feeling like I walked in a room and they were like, oh, you're from New York. And there was a little bit of a because you could go on tape in New York in those days. But really, like everything was really L.A. And now it's well, now it's in your own bedroom. So who knows? But um uh, so I remember feeling like I was kind of like a bit of a new face from New York. I, you know, I was out of school and I was bringing an energy that might have been a little bit of, you know, fresh for some casting directors. And, uh, and I think that sort of helped charge me into some luck of, uh, you know, getting getting a pilot a year for, for a bunch of years there. Now, a lot of times people, you know, you get people get depressed when a pilot doesn't get picked up. And I always say, you know, well, you got a pilot. That means you're that much better than the other people. It's not. It's not your doing; it's the network doing or the writers. Oh, yeah. it's not, would you get bummed out? I mean, would you have those visions in your head when you got that pilot going? Shit, man! If this if this goes for three years, that's I'm, that's the, that's the whole game as an actor. It's like expectation and fantasy and desire and keeping it real. You know, it's, it's so many of those decisions, those things that that make that will allow you real financial success or. Any, you know, anything, you know, any, any way in which you can really, your career can really take off. So often that's just out of your hands. So, yeah, you've got to, um, I was very vulnerable to that early on. You know, Oop, I got a pilot. It's going to go. And then enough stuff happened where, you know, reality set in. I got a pilot, didn't go, got a pilot, didn't go, got one that was supposed to go. And, you know, we were told it was going to go. And, you know, some crazy shit happened and it didn't go. So I've had more than enough experience um training in 
oh, you, you, I expect nothing. And, I, and now I feel like that, that served me well because, um, you know, I, I just have a sort of a clear head about what to expect. Um, I'm thrilled when it, when it, you know, when it's, when it hits and, uh, I don't expect it to. Again, being on something like house, you get a little spoiled because you're like, wow, five years and it's just a hit and it's going to be on the air. Um, th- that was the one time I remember when that was over, I was like, it, Everybody was kind of glad it sort of needed the break, and sort of there was a sense of like, oh, okay, I'm glad that gig is up. But within about six months, I was like, oh my god, that will never happen again. <laughs> that was lucky, um, you know. That was really, really lucky. Well, how are you? How did you keep your head together when those pilots didn't get picked up? I mean, it really shows resilience. I know you love the craft, but there's got to be self. I mean, even though you got cast, there has to be self doubt. You know, you're like, am I, am I, am I like bad luck schlep rock? Like, what's going on? No. I mean, what? How did yeah. you keep yourself just focused? Because that's the thing, people don't understand. I talk to a lot of people in the business world, and I say, listen, you guys don't know where rejection is. I said, you sit down and talk to an actor. I said, they can have a hit show, and then they can go and see four other people who have a hit show for a guest star spot. I said, so you guys don't bitch if you got turned down for a sales. You know, thing because they actors go through rejection every day. But at that younger age, when you're so close to the horseshoe, man, how did you stay focused? Just because of your love of the craft? Um, yeah, it never occurred to me that I was going to do anything else. So, um, and you just got to have you got to be born with a tough skin. You got to have whatever that thing is that allows you to just take a beating. And I know a lot of you know a lot of friends, a lot of actors who just said nope that's just you know it's too much rejection i can't do that and you know it's not you know is it self-flagellation is it you know is it torture sometimes it really feels that way and sometimes there even now moments i'm like you know what it's just there's nothing sexy about it anymore you know the business has changed i don't you know i'm i'm moving on in years i want to have control of what i do and yet here i am still you know here's my face you know you know i'm putting it out there Oh, I got cast. Great. Oh, the show's not going to happen. You know, it's just out of my control. And I, and I did. It took me some time to learn that. And I just think for some reason, it's just my relentless desire to do it. And and that I won't, you know, I'll take no for an answer. You take no for an answer every day. But I won't in the big picture ever take no. This is what I love to do. And I've been fortunate enough to do it. And so that alone will keep me going just because I know it's there. I know I can. So if you, if these times are slower, you know, I do rely on that when I was young, which really is your question. How do you, how do you, you know, get back up? I don't know. You're just stupid. I think you are just young and stupid. And, and that was it. I loved it. And I, I didn't see anything else. I mean, if that's, you know, if you're a creative type in a way, don't be creative. You just know what you want to do. And it's what you have to do. You'll take a hell of a lot of punch. Now, when did you start hitting your stride as you feel as an actor? When did you, when did you start hitting that stride where you you felt a confidence where you, you started getting, you know, you got a regular gig or this? When did you feel like you're like, okay, you know what? I'm mastering this well. I, I, I know what I'm doing. I remember pretty clearly, like, like I keep referring to the 61 movie. I was young and I was learning on that film in a way. And then it was about a year later that I got a gig uh, a mini series called The Lost Room for what was in the Sci-Fi Channel, um, and it was, it was shooting in New Mexico, and 
it was a great show and a great part. It was with Peter Krause and Juliana Margulies and uh, a very young Elle Fanning, one of the Fanning girls, sisters, and uh, she was tiny. Um, and this was a really, really interesting, cool show. Um, Kevin Pollack was in it. And I don't know, I, something about the character clicked, the writing clicked, and I spent about two months in Albuquerque just feeling relaxed. And I could feel that the character made sense and i remember just thinking oh this is no this isn't stressful this is really really fun and i'm i'm feeling a confidence i hadn't felt before i went right from that into the starter wife which was this mini series that shot in australia with deborah messing and that was another three months right on that where i was just almost every day and then i went right from that into house five years so there was a span of about seven years in the middle there where it really had to do with the fact that i just you know, I had three gigs back to back to back with really, really interesting roles, well-written. And uh, somewhere by the time I was in my first season of House, I was like, I look back, I was like, wow, the last two or three years were so key in getting me comfortable enough to be on House. And that, and then it was just, again, like I said before, just this sort of every day. And, and before you, I didn't even think about, oh, I've hit my stride. I just knew that I knew what I was doing. I was like, I know how to do this now. I really do. But it took me some time. Why do you say it, it was a point where you felt you were comfortable enough to be on house? Um, that's a good question. I mean, part of it was just sort of me, you know, uh, coming on to a show that was uh, already a big hit. And um, it was stressful um, because I was afraid I wasn't going to, you know, I was going to get fired and, that was part of how they built in the whole entrance to the show was this sort of reality show where they were firing the new people one by one. And I made it, but there was a lot of stress and, you know, it was just it's a big show. I was like, you know, it's a, it was a monster hit. At one point it was the biggest, most watched show on the planet. And there was this part of me that was just like, whoa, am I game for this? Am I up to be on a big hit like this? And will people want to watch me in, you know, in this world. And um, even though I had had those couple few years of learning how to relax on set and know what I was doing, house felt more, the stakes were higher. And when I made it as a regular and realized that I was just part of this family and show and I'm old enough and talented enough and skilled enough, that, you know, after about one or two seasons on house, I was like, yeah, you know, if I can do this and be with these people and be in a network show, you know, what's, what's the problem here, Jacobson? You can do it. What was your process for getting the role for house? Was it audition? Was it offer or what happened? No, no, it was an audition. Um, <clears throat> it was for, uh, and they, it was like a, they were, they were looking for house's new team. And, uh, it was billed for us as a, like an eight episode arc with an option to become a series regular. So I just went in on tape like you do for, uh, you know, for any of them. And then they called me in to meet the producers. And uh, I, oh, I knew one of the producers, Katie Jacobs. Um, I think she probably called me in the first place. And uh, she was friends of a friend. And we, I worked for her on another show before. So I had that connection. Um, and again, we sort of went into the, the callback and it felt fun and funny and, uh, Again, I was in a room. I remember making them laugh about something that had nothing to do with house. And I remember thinking they were, we were just enjoying each other. And, uh, and the role felt really, really spot on for me. Um, but yeah, I just got, 
I just, so I got the offer, but then I didn't know if I was going to make it as a regular. And I spent the next eight episodes fighting it out. There were, there were five of us who knew we would be the final five. That was the part I was auditioning for. And when it came down to that, literally every week, every episode, you didn't really know before the script came, you know, if you were going to make it. And, uh, but it was actually really fun. It was such a stressful situation, but Cal Penn and Olivia Wilde and Eddie Gathegi and Annie Dudek and I were the final five. We just, we sort of loved the, the terror of it and it made us closer. And, uh, um, it was, uh, it turned out to be a really fun experience, but really weird. Cause it was like, I'm, I'm in this reality show every week. I mean, that, that's, that doesn't happen <laughs> in my business. It was strange. Now, now you've been acting for a long time and when you're on house and you know, you're a series regular, do you, do you sleep easier at night when you know that oh. after the season's over, you read the trades, house is coming back for another season, and you're going, okay, I don't have to audition, I got yeah. that. I mean, what's that, What is that a security feeling, or what is it oh, like as God. an actor? Just because you, you bust your ass, you're used to ups and downs, pilots, I mean, you, it must just change your whole health and physical being. Yeah, it's... I mean, we were, I entered the show, we were burst onto the show into the, in, in the context of being fired at any moment. And the, and it was possible, you know, you never really know because, you know, there are decisions that are out of your hands and creatively and economically that, that, you know, so I never felt 1000% sure, but by the se second season, it, it becomes like family. And I knew the writers and the creators and the actors, and it was clear that the show was not going anywhere. So yes, in that, rare moment suddenly it's like yeah i'm coming back again and you know i'm not waiting to see what the what the network says i'm not waiting to make sure that i my options have been picked up this is my family this is my show and it is the best feeling you can have in, in the business because it's good money and uh it's good writing and uh it's a lovely set it's a lovely group of people so to be able to do that every day for five years is like i know the odds of that happening again. I mean, I had some other wonderful shows. I did a show called Colony after that, um, where I was a series regular, and that was three seasons. I think um, they aborted that show unceremoniously and inappropriately. But um, those were three wonderful seasons again. Where I mean, was that was a bit of a struggle? Are we going to make it ratings wise? But in terms of the writing and the people, it was you know, again, sort of a family, um, those moments, those, they're few and far between house was by far the best just because it was a monster hit. And, you know, knowing that you're coming back is very rare and wonderful. What's it like working with Hugh Laurie? I always still, you know, it still amazes me that guy has an English accent. He's one of those people that you sit there and you go, even when he was on like Veep, he's, you know, and then you see him in an interview and you go, holy shit, I forgot that guy is English. They, on set, is he always speaking English? Yeah, I would forget. He, I, I guess his, his, Thing was he would once he arrived on the lot he was in his american accent so i only only whenever we were out off the set or no no when we get his when he would go into the trailer and get his hair and makeup off cleaning his face afterwards then he would have his accent so we'd finish a whole day and then i'd be in the trailer with him sometimes afterwards and he had his accent his english accent and i always was like well i forgot I would because his accent, his American accent, was so real, and that was the bulk of our time together. So whenever I did see him, otherwise uh, in his normal accent, it was always a little bit jarring. Um, but uh, he's amazing. He's, um, you know, uh, he had a lot on his shoulders and he carried it, <laughs> and you know, it was just a monster hit. And the character is iconic and fantastic. And then he's one of those super talented people. It's just sort of 
endless. He's, you know, funny and sweet and he's a great guy. You're, you're probably one of the only actors that we can say actually worked with Hugh Laurie and Method in Red. Now, what was that show? I, yeah, that I, was great. That was just nuts. That was, uh, <laughs> that was Method Man and Red Man. And they were, I mean, they would just never make that show today um, for many reasons. Um, but it was this, you know, this black family or these guys. Yeah, that's black family that was moving into a very haughty, white, New Jersey, uh, clo- you know, community. And um, that was it. And it was funny. And uh, they were who they were. And um, I was the, you know, you know, nebbishy neighbor um, who was impressed and terrified by these scary uh, stoners. Um, and uh, again, I don't think they could make that show today, but it was really quite, it was quite fun. It was just crazy because they're just out there. I mean, they run by their own rules and those rules didn't always sync up with network rules. And uh, there was some offsite uh, pot smoking, which was uh, pretty exciting. Um, and they were just, I mean, really sweet guys. It was, it was just crazy. It was just an energy and a, it was just sort of felt a little bit more wild west than usual to me. Well, earlier you said you were sort of ready for when house ended. You, you said, you know, you were ready to, were you ready just to move on or were you just ready to change something in your career? Well, um, you know, I was living in New York when I was shooting house. So, um, I was the only one in the cast who was not from Los Angeles and then that was not settled in LA. So, um, I was doing a lot of commuting back and forth to see my family. Um, you know, it was pretty, so it was physically exhausting, uh, in a way that, uh, that by season five, I was like, all right, that part I'll be glad to be done with. Um, it felt like, I mean, I think they could have gone on. I mean, certainly, um, uh, you know, it would, I would have enjoyed playing the, the part more, but um, there was also something just, it felt like there was a lot of tension between the net, network and the studio, and we kind of knew that things were winding down. And so there was a part of me that just felt like, okay, if this is going to be done, I'm, I'm really okay with that. I, it'll be, I won't have to commute now back and forth. And, um, and I played Taub for five years. You just don't get to do that as an actor anywhere. So I certainly felt like I was way into the bonus area with that character. So I didn't need like, Oh no, I want to explore much more. If they had given me another two or three seasons, I loved how they wrote for me. I would have enjoyed it, but I felt sated. Um, so in that regard, I was like, yeah, I think I can be done and look for the, you know, look for something else. I've got some money in the bank, but then, you know, as I said, six months later, I'm like, what? Why did I want the show back? Where's, where's the money? Where's the people? Where's the camera? Does, does having a hit show when you walk off that, does it change your perception in town, because you know you did Ray Donovan, you did The Americans, all great shows. Did yeah. you feel that once you're on a hit show and a critically acclaimed show, it's not like you're on some hit bullshit show where there's a juggling clown and a kid playing the banjo. Sure. You know that's well, not going to work. But how did it change you in the casting room? Did people perceive you different, or did you start getting offers? Like Ray Donovan, was that an offer, or did you have to no, audition? no? Um, Ray Donovan was an audition. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, you know, you always think, uh, yeah, I had, a, I had a thing, I had a thought, oh, now that I've been on the show, it'll be easy. You have that thought. I have that thought every five years in my, you know, and then I smack myself in the face and go, don't think that you, you know, you can't rely on that. I think if anything, 
um, yes, it was great to have been on the show. And I think that put me to another level of like, okay, this guy has been on a network hit and more people knew me. And so I was just sort of able to get in on more things. I, I, the offers didn't come flying. I was still auditioning. Um, but um, the thing that was, uh, that, that also happened was that pe- because so many people saw me in house, the way this business works, they were like, oh, well, he's sort of a straight-laced guy, you, you know, a doctor. You know, that persona, that character, that energy was what people saw me as. And I'm, you know, I love to do comedy and I want to do all different sorts of roles. And it's easy. The last thing you did is the last thing people remember. And if it's a big hit, then they really remember that. And, um, but that has that has some for some people that can be really problematic. If it's like you become this sort of iconic character, it's hard to break it. I mean, I was a supporting role on the house, but still, I remember <laughs> feeling like people were only thinking of me as a as a guy in a lab coat. Um, and, uh, and you know, eventually now I've you know gone on to different kinds of characters. But um, I would love to to get to the point when it's literally just offers. I don't know that that will happen. Um, you know, we'll see. Um, yeah, Ray Donovan was uh, an audition, but it came right on the heels of House, so I felt like I had some momentum there, and that probably helped me in the room. I also knew Liev from uh, long ago, and we had a good energy. Uh, the Americans, I got offered because my best friend is the creator, <laughs> so a little bit of a thing. He's the best man at my wedding, and, you know, I was pissed that I wasn't there from the beginning. Yeah. Well, Ray Donovan, what was it like going from a network show to a cable show? Where basically, you can say whatever you want, you can do oh. whatever you want, not oh, yeah, they notes, censors. What is that like for an actor when you go, I can just, if I go off script or I improv or whatever, and it works, they're not going to say, you said yeah. fuck. It can't be yeah. in there. What is that like? Does that give you a, a, a active, an actor a, cre- a little bit of a creative freedom? Well, I think that the, the energy of the show just had that cable energy for sure. It's a nasty, dark violent, you know, expletive-filled show. My character was, you know, one of those people. He was just sort of a, you know, real asshole and a nasty, shitty guy who just, you know, was swearing all the time. So, yeah, that, so you feel the energy that it's more sort of expansive and it's more, it's a, it's a little wilder. Um, at the same time, depending on who the writers are, you know, the house writers were like, you know, we like it to be word for word. But the Ray Donovan people were pretty much the same. So I, it's not like you go in there and say, well, now that I'm on cable, I can just go off, you know, and, and you know, nobody's going to get angry at you if you improv something in the moment. But if you're an actor who continually can't stay to the script, it's not a permit. Being on cable doesn't, it's not a permission slip to just go off. I mean, I, they gave me more than enough nasty shit to say on on the page. So I always felt like, you know, the writers knew what they wanted me to say, but you know, and that, and that, but you're, but ultimately, it is, it is a bit of a more open feeling to know that everybody's a little bit, a little bit more human on cable. Now, you also did NCIS Los Angeles. What's that like going into a show that everything's set? You know, it's a hit. You know, the people have been there for a while, so there's nothing yeah. that none of that. Well, we might get canceled. It's like okay, um, even like the gaffer. You know, I got I'm, I've been here forever. I, I'm I got my pension coming from this. Yeah. As an actor, is it, do you walk in? Do you feel a little like an outsider at first because you're coming on, or do you walk in and you go, okay, everyone, there's no tension, no prove yourself because if you screw up and the show sucks, right. you might get right. us canceled. 
that, yeah, there's no, I mean, really am I in a position to like feel in personal responsibility for a show, you know, cause I, I'm not the number one in the call sheet guy. I'm usually the supporting guy. Um, I'm not saying I don't want to be the number one guy and I'd love to tank a show myself, but, uh, <laughs> but I don't usually walk on with that kind of pressure. Certainly you go on something like NCIS, Lighthouse and the, or the Law and Orders, these are well-oiled machines, but NCIS, my God, they just, they have it down. It is a chill place to work. It's lovely. You know, it's really nice to feel that sweet energy and that lack of anxiety around, you know, sometimes it, it moves a little too quickly because you want to, you know, you want to make sure you get it right. And sometimes they're like, oh, we don't, this is, we don't give it, it's NCIS. Come on. Don't, this is not your acting moment. Don't move on. It's a very specific formula. Um, it's always weird to come on to any new show when you, you don't create it because you're just the new guy. And that's, and, and you are fighting, you know, for me on NCIS, I was fighting to impress them and make them want to fulfill my contract of this many episodes. And hopefully I had an option to do more and you want, you always want to impress. So that has a tension of its own. When you're with Colony, which I did after, you know, that's one of those few times when I got to create it from the beginning and I was part of that original core. There is a different feeling of this is my show. I don't feel responsible if it doesn't go, but there is, uh, you know, I'm not trying to work my way in and, and get and you know, get happy with everybody. When, Colony, I was when Colony got canceled, were you sad because you were there from the beginning? It's one of those things like when you come in yeah. in the middle and it's like, okay, you know, it's not, it's not your baby. And even though, you know, you started from, okay, are we going to get picked up from season one to two? Yeah. When that ends, was, is that a big letdown? And as you said earlier, you thought it could have gone longer. Yeah. Then, I, I think it, in that situation, it does feel worse when it's, because you're right. It does feel like your baby. Um, you know, you did sweat it out together with the actors just to, to make something from the ground up and, hopefully get picked up and you did get picked up and you got that second season and you got a third season and we moved to Vancouver, you know, there's challenges along the way, but you're, you know, you're in something that you've really created from the beginning. And so when it doesn't go that, that hurt, but it also hurt because it was just a particularly wonderful character. I love playing. And it was a great, again, like I've been lucky to be on sets where the people are so wonderful. And Ryan Condal, who is the showrunner for house of the dragon. So it's like, Boom! Uh, there's a talented guy, and uh, it was great. I mean, he was actually kind of new to writing by the time when he started that show with Carlton Cuse, and uh, but together they were just a wonderful pair of writers to work for. They they really created a character that I loved. So I, I just loved the character so much, and so letting that go was really really hard because I felt there was there was obviously a lot more story to tell because they just basically cut it off. Um, and I was really, really curious to see where they would have taken my character. Now, tell me about Fear of the Walking Dead. Did that shoot? Does that shoot in Austin? It did. Um, I'm not doing it anymore. I believe I don't know if they're on their last season or not, but they moved to Savannah. But yeah, I had uh, I was on and off that show for like three seasons or four seasons, and I my whole time was on was in Austin, which is great. I love being in Austin. I'd never been to Texas, and I had my hot like it's so hot there. You just like we were shooting in July. It was like holy shit! I cannot believe how hot this is. It's like it's just it's inhuman. Um, and uh, but that was and we were shooting out like you know you don't shoot in the cities out and you know we 
sometimes travel an hour or so outside the city into Texas, deep into Texas. And, you know, and, and it wasn't like we were climbing mountain peaks, but it was, it was rough by my standards. You know, um, I liked that. I thought that was really fun, you know, shooting out in the, the wild. I love it. Now you're doing a Hallmark movie. Right. Now you're shooting in Utah? Yeah, that's shooting in Utah. Now, what is Hallmark? I mean, I know John Capelosa told me, you know, he, he does the Hallmark series. And he says it's a little bit different. You know, Dave Thomas actually wrote, I was talking to him, he wrote a movie and then they changed it completely. What's it like? Because as an actor, you know, you go in and my wife loves Hallmark movies. I swear to God, she tapes every Christmas show. It's a thing. Greg, Gregory Harrison's been on the show a few times. Whenever Gregory's on, she's like, honey, honey, Gregory's on the show. And it's and there's such a following What's it like yeah. shooting that? Because you know, you know the outcome. Like you know, it's like okay. it's like the thing. So it's like it's not like you have to get really intense. I mean, you're an actor, so you're going to be a, bring it. Was it sort of like a little bit of a vacation where you're like, you know what? I'm not going to get roughed up here. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to I'm going to you know I'm not getting I'm not getting chased by anyone. I'm not going to get anyone to hit me. I mean, what's it like for an actor? Is it, is it something that you? It's something that's like, oh, this is great. I'm plying my craft, but it's not exhausting me. Well, I like being exhausted. I like, you know, I like being chased and, and stunts and the, the rougher the better for me. Um, so this is definitely more staid experience. I mean, I don't get, I'm often behind a desk anyway in my role, so it's not like I'm, you know, some cowboy. But, um, you know, you're right. It's a, it's a thing and there's a formula and you're plugged into a formula. But I've done that, you know, like House is in some ways the same thing. I mean, it was, you know, it was a, a episodic you know, a, a network show that had a, a case a week and it gets solved. And, you know, there's certain things that, you know, NCIS that, you know, I was plugged into a formula that, you know, the parameters are a little bit, you know, it's more limited. Um, so it's not something that I, I'd look down on because of that. It's, it's part of some of the projects you do, you know, you do those projects, you get the ones that feel a little bit more wild. Um, this is definitely more staid, you know, project than Fear the Walking Dead. Um, but to me, it comes down to the people and the character. And I'm playing a fun guy and the people are lovely. And I'm working with people who like to play. And it's a very sweet group. It's it's fast. And um, it's not my world, really. Um, but I'm an actor. So can I plug myself into that world and, and, and make it feel real? And some of it feels a little squeamish because it's really not my world. But... You know, you're making a. That's what I'm getting paid to do. This, it's, you know, I, I'm not a snob about it. It's like I'm. They've cast me. I'm lucky to get cast. I'm grateful. I'm making money, and I'm. It's my job to play this character and and help build a product that your wife is going to like, and that tons of people are going to like. So I'm very happy to be a part of. It, you know. Now you mentioned earlier, the play you were doing was going to go to New York, and it was um, scrapped because of COVID. Were you doing a lot of theater? Have you been doing theater throughout this time, or or, or have no. you been really concentrating on acting, on well, um, TV and movies, not theater? Um, you know, I, I I only did theater when I got out of, out of Juilliard for a long time, and then I stopped. I, unfortunately, I was working a lot in TV and film, and I had not when I this was a a series of one acts at Ethan Cohn, you know, Cohn Brothers. He um, he wrote them, and we did them in the um, Mark Taper Forum in, in Los Angeles. Um, I hadn't done a play in, I think, 15 years. So, uh, it, you know, it, it was the, I knew the director and he asked me to do it and I was 
little bit nervous because like it's a very different muscle um you know remembering being out there in front of a live audience it's it's more exhausting um but i remember how much i loved it because that's how i came up and the camaraderie is different there's a you know that because you're out there every night you know putting it out there and you could fuck up at any moment and you got to be there and show up um there's a certain tightness to the group in theater that I, I I missed and um I would love to go back to that. I have not done that way we were gonna mount those plays in New York. Um and that's when COVID hit. So I was gonna repeat that that show in New York. Um and I was sorry because I really, really loved doing it. I loved the immediacy and the feedback from the audience. <clears throat> I really missed it, but that's all I did for the first <clears throat> ten years of my career. Um, I would love to do it. I auditioned for a play, uh, the new Tom Stoppard play that's going to be opening in about a month on Broadway. And I had an audition for a play in even longer. And I just did that a few months ago. I didn't get the part, but uh, just even going in for the audition, this was a live experience, was, you know, working with the director. And, I, I, you know, it's it's different and it's great and I miss it. And it's, you know, it's my core really as an actor. So I'd love to do another play. Well, besides the Disney Plus show that we can't talk about, <laughs> Uh, what is, uh, what's on your docket coming up? I mean, did you, are you, as you said, you're um, probably going to try to audition for more theater. Um, I will, if it comes by, it was, I was gonna, yeah, I was looking at another play recently, but that one didn't work out schedule wise. Um, I'm open to whatever comes next. There is nothing else on the docket yet. Um, this stuff will, you know, the Hallmark will come out, the Disney series will come out and, um, I'm, you know, taping myself in the other room. Looking for the next one. Uh, I just had a couple really good auditions for projects that, you know, you sometimes you read a script and you're like, oh, I want this one really bad. And I put myself on tape and uh, did all the networking. And I know that guy can make sure you look at my tape stuff and we'll see. I mean, chances are monumentally huge that I won't get it just because that's that those are the numbers you're always playing. But um, we'll see what happens next. One final question. During your long career, you've worked a lot. Has there anyone you've worked on set with that you were just completely in awe of? Like, holy crap, I am working with such yeah. and such. I've had, I mean, I've, yeah, I've had a bunch of those. Um, I mean, just like I got to work with Jack Nicholson for um, a few days and as good as it gets. And, uh, De Niro um, and Robert Duvall. I mean, these are like guys from another generation. I, they built American cinema in a way. And I mean, just I, what do you say? It's like, you know, you feel like a pipsqueak and, and a wannabe, um, but it was just thrilling. Yeah, so you've got to put the awe aside and do your work. And, you know, we're all actors, um, but their personalities matter. It's like um, Nicholson was like, just you felt like you were chatting with your uncle and he was open about his family and life. And we had, in, we were in this situation where he wound up a very long scene that they took days to shoot. And so I got to sort of sit and there was a lot of waiting around and there was a lot of just sitting around chit chatting with him. And he's so open and lovely. And, and that was just like, Oh my God. <laughs> um, De Niro was, was shyer, but you know, I was still, Oh my God, because it's fucking De Niro. Um, and uh, Robert Duvall, I, I played his sort of his associate in this movie, A Civil Action, with John Travolta. Uh, that's a great movie, and um, 
I was you know, playing a lawyer, shockingly, um, and uh, Duval was the you know the big you know big attorney in the film. I was just sort of his guy, kind of there all the time. So I didn't have a lot to do as an actor, but I just sat next to him for like six weeks, and he's my favorite. I, I don't think there's anybody better than Duval, and so that was awe and trying not to pee my pants and you know just it's just. It's great, but at the same time, you're like, what am I going to do? I'm going to sit here and fucking, you know, be impressed for six weeks, or am I going to act? I'm going to try to be as normal as I can, because I'm, I'm here, because I belong here. And, you know, he's not. He's not what... He's just looking to he's looking to play the scene, and right. so you gotta, you got to remember why you're there. But yeah, I've been lucky. I've had some, some heavy hitters that I got to uh, got to hang out with. Well, I want to thank you, Peter, for coming on. It was great to talk to you. As I said, I've, I've seen your work, and you're always good. I mean, we didn't even get to... Uh, we crashed, but man, just that, that was, that, that, yeah, it was, I don't, I don't want to go to it, but uh, no, <laughs> no, 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 tell me about we crashed before we go. Cause I just, um, you were playing, you're playing a real life scumbag. So yeah. it must be weird when you sit there and you do, you do research and like look them uh, up or hard. I do. I do as much research as I ever can. It's always fun to play a real life person. I've always played scumbag. So I'm kind of used to it and I like it. It's a compliment in some way to me. Um, I, uh, there's not a lot of information on this guy. Um, in fact, there are only two photographs that I could find. Um, but uh, I, I thought he was a lovely, you know, to me, I'm not thinking, oh, I'm playing the scumbag. I'm playing, you know, a guy, you know, you look for what's real. I mean, he's a human being. He's a father. And he had an immense amount of pain in his life. And <clears throat> he got into the trouble he got into because, like all of us, he probably did what he thought was the best thing for him to do. And, um his moral compass was off, and um, I can relate to that. We all can. Um, and it was, I thought he was a well-written character and, and sort of sympathetic and sort of a quieter tone in what was otherwise a very sort of frenetic piece, and I liked playing that, and uh, it was exciting to, you know, play Anne Hathaway's dad. Oh, I felt a little bit, I was like, I'm not really old enough to be. <laughs> he had to bring me down. I was like, wow, I'm really getting up there. Um, and Jared Leto, he was, you know, he's a character, and he's in character and he talk about improv like he just goes and i have also done a lot of improv and you know so when somebody throws me anything i love being in that space and just throwing it back and there was this, that scene of the two of us at the bar in the wedding we had a lot of takes where it like almost came to blows i mean not anything serious but like it got real heated because we were just off and running and so that was exciting I, you know good talented actors and uh it's fun. It's fun. I mean, it's a crazy show. It's a crazy. It's crazy. Well, I feel I like you had a very strong reaction to it. Yeah, I just because you see it, man. I want to. I want to thank you again. Uh, now thank you're you. on Twitter, right? I found you on Twitter. You're at Peter Jacobson on Twitter. Um. Oh my God, this will tell you. I'm just not. I'm yeah, not so active. It's uh, the real P at the real Peter Jacobson. So people go follow him on Twitter. Go to yes. IMDb, look up his work, go watch his work because he's excellent. And uh, go to my Twitter, I'm at Cooper Talk. Go to my website, coopertalk.net. You can find over 925 episodes on there. Email me, cooper at coopertalk.net. Instagram, I'm at coopertalk1. Remember, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, and I'll talk to you guys next time.